I hope you're not getting tired of me talking about my Dragons of Night project because I'm really excited about it. And I think the techniques and stuff that were used to put this all together are very, very helpful. Today, I would like to go over the foundations for the setting because this format was extremely helpful for me in really clarifying what it was that I wanted to do in making this world. And so if you're starting world building, I highly recommend whether you post it on World Anvil or not, whether you take part in world building summer camp or not, definitely, definitely, definitely do this. It will help you figure out where you're coming from and where you're going. So let's talk about the foundation on this episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and today I'm talking about the foundation of Dragons of Night. And I, I can't express to you how excited I am about all this and everything going forward, and I hope that you are ready to come along for that ride. So these questions, if you haven't already asked them to yourself, you should, if you're working on your own project. And if you haven't written them down, write them down. The one thing that I have taken to heart over all my years as a writer is stop pretending you're going to remember things and stop pretending that that memory is going to mean something to you when you need it. it it's not. Write your inspirations down, write your ideas down, catalog as much of the process as you can. Because if you don't, you're going to forget your best ideas. <laughs> And they're going to be lost forever. And when you lose motivation, which I know you think you won't lose motivation, especially if this is your first project, you think you're not going to lose motivation, but you will, you will, you will, you will, you will. You're going to get to a point where you're about halfway through. It's usually about halfway point, if not before, where you're like, why am I still doing this? And you need something to look back on. Now, the purpose of this particular document is to keep you focused. The foundation is here to teach us exactly what we need to be working on and how, so we don't fall victim to the dreaded world builders disease. You see, we who are world builders, we have a bad problem. We start world building, and we decide we're going to be the next J.R.R. Tolkien. And we keep world building, and we keep world building, and we keep world building. But unlike J.R.R. Tolkien, we never write an actual book. It happens. It happens. I have journals back in my office that are filled with worlds that I've created that have never, ever had a story. Never. Not once. And probably never will, because the world of building was pointless and flat and didn't have any purpose or intent behind it. And so there really aren't stories that I can tell there. So let's get started. What are the questions that we're going to be dealing with? And how did I answer them for my current project? So first, we're going to talk about the scope. And here we have to ask ourselves three questions. 
what is your motivation for building this world? What are you hoping to get out of it? And what is the hook or unique selling point of your world? What makes it unique or different? Now, that last one we'll talk about a bit when we get there. So the first one, what is your motivation? I know what you're thinking. I just listened to yesterday's episode and you kind of covered this. And I did. But my main motivation here is, yes, I really love these worlds and I love these settings. And this is a style of fiction that I have loved since I was a kid. But even today, I have a hard time finding people like myself in there. Even though it's getting much more common to find LGBT stories or characters in these kinds of settings. I don't see NBs. I don't see non-binary folk like me. And I don't see people that come from the queer experience that I did. And so I have to watch shows like Pose to get that. And while that show does have its kind of magic realism moments, it doesn't, it's not fantasy. It's not a fantasy setting. It's too grounded in reality. And I want that queerness to seep through everything that I'm doing. I want, I want to finally write the stories I wish I had been reading. Because if I can't find them elsewhere, I want to make them for myself. And that's my primary motivation. So what am I wanting to get out of this? I want to have fun. I want to play with Celtic, Greco-Roman, Gnostic, Judeo-Christian, Egyptian mythology, and melt it all together into a dark world of wonders. I want this world to shine with all of those mythological and folklore inspirations that have really touched me over the years and made me fall in love with story and with that contrast of light and dark. And I, I want to get out of this, that world that I always wish I had when I was growing up and that I wish I had now, you know, don't get me wrong. I, there's nothing wrong with watching like legacies or some of the newer shows that are out. Chilean adventures of Sabrina. I love them. And I've been auditioning several, uh, book series. And I haven't found one that I just truly absolutely love. If you have recommendations, please share them because I'm desperately seeking Susan here, but so far she is nowhere to be found. And that's why I am writing for myself. And I'm not saying the book that isn't out there and I'm not saying we're doing anything necessarily groundbreaking, but there are certain things that I've always wanted to see in stories that I've never seen anybody play with and I want to play with them. So what is the hook or unique selling point of the world? What makes it unique? or different. Now this to me is where my mindset starts to get problematic because, you know, we have the problem of, is there anything ever actually unique in the world? Like, is there, is there? No, no, there's not. Uniqueness is an illusion that we put over our work. Every story has been told before. The difference is in the world building. The difference between Jaws and Alien is the world building. Same story, almost identical characters in a lot of ways. In fact, Jaws in Space was the initial pitch for Alien. But the world building is what makes those different and what makes Aliens, the second movie, superior to all of the above. Because the world building is what gives the story flavor. It's the seasoning. It's the spice. It's what gives it flavor. 
And we need to be careful when we're doing our hook, when we're trying to think about our unique selling point, that we're just being honest with ourselves. For me, it's a world steeped in magic. It's not relegated to spells and wand work. Magic is integral to the world, to their world as technology is to ours. It's going to take elements from magic realism and weave them into the story. And it's going to be that magical, magical world that I've always wanted to see. And I never quite have. Because magic's always been like that thing over there. And it's also going to be, you know, delightfully queer. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully other people see it in there too. It is, it, it's, yeah. It's going to be filled with all manner of people's and things. So the theme, what are the themes of the story? Theme is something that if only the folks who did Game of Thrones would have paid attention to, we would have gotten an actually decent series and it wouldn't have fallen flat on its face at the end. So for theme, we're going to ask, answer five questions. What is the genre of the world? How does the world feel? What is the tone of the world? What is the character's agency level like? And what are the recurring themes which reinforce the genre, tone, and feel of your world? Now, this is important, especially if you're ever thinking about doing a, seri a series like I am, because these are basic series Bible ideas that you need to get down. Theme is a great place to mine for story. So once you realize what the theme of your work is, then you can pull almost an infinite for infinite stories out of it. And the reason that's important is this is where, and I, I am loath to say she who shall not be named's name anymore after her little transphobic rant. But this is, as I pointed out in the past, because it's such a good example, the difference between the Harry Potter and the Fantastic Beast movies is Harry Potter has a theme. It has a consistent theme and has a theme that permeates the entire world and feels integral to it. That theme gets lost in the Fantastic Beast movies. It doesn't feel like they're a part of the same world. Sharing world building is not what makes something happen in a contiguous world. There are themes that have to be there. For example, for something to feel like Star Trek, it needs to take place in the future. Because, you know, it really wouldn't be Star Trek if it took place exclusively in the Old West. I mean, that would be weird, right? But not only does it have to fit that genre requirement, it has to have some of the themes, right? Infinite diversity and infinite combination. It has to have an optimistic view of the future and this idea that we can improve. This is how Picard was able to make itself better than Discovery and that Discovery forgot all that for a while. And Picard, even though it had its dark and grim dark crap in it, in the end, which is again still problematic, but in the end, it gets there and still has that optimism in the midst of the darkness. And so those Star Trek themes reemerge in the setting, in the story, and it makes it feel like Star Trek again. If you don't have the themes, if they're not carried through, it doesn't feel like Star Trek. That's what makes something feel like it takes place in a contiguous world. Because remember, fictional worlds are not real worlds. Fictional worlds are constructed. 
So the questions. What is the genre of the world? Well, we've talked about this. It's queer, dark, urban fantasy filled with romance and mystery. How does the world feel? It's gothic at heart, both in terms of the literary genre and the subculture. It laughs at death while it swaddles, while it, while swaddled in darkness and mystery. And I really want that to come out in the story. So how does the feel relate to the tone? The tone of this world, as I've said before, it's going to be noble gray. It's kind of like Charmed meets The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, but very queer. You know, it's not exactly, it's not a bright world. Everything's not wonderful and hunky-dory. There are problems here. And some of them are systemic and deep, and some of them are really, really big. But it's not a dark world in that, you know, everything's not horrible. There are good things in it. So that's the gray part. The noble part means that good people can win out against evil. Good can triumph over evil. In a grim dark, there's no such thing as good, so it's all pointless. Like we saw in Game of Thrones, but I'm Ching. <laughs> what is the character's level of agency? They're able to affect the world, but it takes struggle and it takes sacrifice. It's not as simple as just, you know, this isn't Steven Universe, though I love that series where they can just stand up for what's right and right wins. It's, it's a bit harder than that. What are the reoccurring themes which reinforce the genre, tone, and feel of the world? One, love conquers all. And I mean this in every kind of love. Because I think when a lot of people include love conquers all storylines, it's always, you know, romantic love or erotic love. And while that's something that will be present in this setting, one of my favorite movies, and you don't come at me on this because I will come back, is Maleficent. And it's because of that theme that love conquers all, and it's that maternal love. And not only is it maternal love, but it's maternal love from an adoptive parent that conquers all. It's that found family love. And those are the kinds of stories that I love, to be quite honest. It's one of the things that Pose makes Pose so good. It's one of those things that Downton Abbey eventually gets to in a lot of respects and makes it really powerful and makes it work really, really well. And so here we are. Love conquers all. The second is tradition thrives through change and dies through rote repetition. You see, I am much to the chagrin of my husband and a lot of people in my family, quite a traditionalist. I like tradition. I do. I like learning about what my ancestors did. I like doing, continuing those things, you know, what we do for Christmas, what we do for Easter. Some of the other things that people think I'm crazy for, like sprinkling tobacco on the lawn to keep the spirits happy. It's silly. And whether there are actually spirits out there, I don't, that's not the point. It's that connection to my ancestors that really means something to me and i think it it helps but that's just some kookiness that i'm not going to be talking about right now um but it's those traditions that really matter to me but tradition has to change tradition has to be flexible if you just repeat over and over and over and over and over and over and over again what your ancestors did then you're stuck and you're mired 
you have to bring it into the current age. You have to update it. You have to keep it alive. And if you can do that, then the tradition is worth surviving. If the tradition has to be preserved in amber and treated like a sacred relic that will shatter if it encounters the real world, it's not long for this world. It just isn't. And I, I want to bring that into the story because while I think change is a wonderful thing, as you probably can tell from everything else I say, I don't think you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there's a way to have that middle ground. While I have a particular faith, I have no problem with the Grinch being the symbol of Christmas or Santa Claus or what have you. Yes, I'm a Christian, but we don't have to throw everything that's good out about Christmas or have none of it. Like, the idea of Santa and the Grinch and all of that, if you want to have that, have yourself a secular Christmas, have, a, have yourself a secular Christmas. I'm fine with that. But I think the tradition is important. The idea that there should be a season not about gift giving, not about presents, not about any of that other stuff. There should be a season where we think about our relationships to one another. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> and last but not least, my third one. Um, real life is lived in the shadows rather than in the blinding light of day. And that's something that I really want to cover in this story. That's something I really want to talk about because I think a lot of people get lost in this idea that life is, you know, what they see and it's not, it's those things that happen in the shadows. Life is who we are when nobody else is looking. Life is strange. Life is powerful. Life is wonderful, but it's not very few of us show our true faces in public and those of us who do are often shouted down for it. And that's it. You know, I, I want to show that dichotomy and play around with it and let people really see it for what it is. And I want to play around with that. I'm not going to get into the meta too much. This is something we could do an entire episode on. I'm currently reading the book Collaborative World Building that goes into a lot of this. Basically, they have a list. If you go to, I believe it's collaborativeworldbuilding.com, you can find the full list and the cards and everything if you want to do this for yourself. And the uh, post that I've linked in the show notes should also give you a good list. Basically, there are various aspects of society, and you can fill out as many of them as you want, but you should kind of pick three to five of them that you're going to delve into that are going to kind of be the meta story that you're telling what what's really going on what's the meta story and i've decided to tell a race class really mine i'm just going to give the categories are race class relations gender and sexual liberation religious influence rule of law and cultural influence you can read all of my answers to that in the show in the link in the show notes and the last section is drama. And again, I'm not going to go through my five here because they're growing and they're expanding all the time. And so 
depending on when you hear this, because I know a lot of people come back and listen like a week or two, sometimes even a month after I post these episodes. So I'm not going to go through the dramas that I have listed here because they may have grown, developed, and changed by then. But basically, pick five points of drama that exist in your world. And this is important, especially if you're doing a series, because your series is going to be about one thing, what the heroes are up to. By having these five points of drama, three to five points of drama in the world, these are other things that the characters will be talking about because it is something that's going on, even though it may not be directly related to the story that you're writing, but it will make this, the story feel more lived in and help you have avenues for future stories down the line. Alrighty? Well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear addressed on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. If you want to hit me up on social media, I am C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. Excuse me. And you can find a link to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. All right. If you got a dollar, you can pass my way. Down in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and listener support really means the world to me. Everyone who does that, thank you so, so much. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's perfectly all right. But if you know anybody you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you know. Just a reminder, this is the last week I'm going to be doing daily episodes for about a month throughout Camp Nano this year. I am going to be doing weekly episodes. So, you know why you're only going to be getting one episode a week through that. And it's going to be an experiment, so I'd really like to know what you guys think about it, because I'm trying to find the right format for y'all and for me and to make it all work. Okay? All right. I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If there's anything I can do to help you out, do let me know. Um, Yeah. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.